0: Hi, welcome back. This is Cassandra. And I'm Carmy, And we're too good to be true. And this week I am talking about, I don't know if anyone see it, but there's a new docu-series on Netflix called Bad Vegan about Sarma Belingalis. I don't know how you say it exactly. And her soon-to-be- He's not in the beginning of the story, but soon to be husband. And it's, it's a wild one, my friends. It is a wild, wild story. And so we're just going to get started. Okay. Okay. Sarma Melangos is a chef, cookbook author, and a businesswoman. She is known as the raw vegan queen. She was the owner and co-founder of Pure Food and Wine and One Lucky Duck which are, like, vegan raw food restaurants in York city. And now we're going to kind of, like, go back to, like, her beginnings. And the funny thing is you're going to say to yourself, you're going to be like, I wonder how this woman who was a restaurant owner turns into somebody who is on the run. <laughs> or so that's how they portray it and stole a shit ton of money from her own. French tribe. But well it's it's so much more complicated than that. She was born September tenth, nineteen seventy-two, in Newton, Massachusetts. Her father was a physicist at Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and her mother was a professional chef. So apparently that's where she got her, you know, love of food. Her mother had co-founded a apple orchard called Allison's Orchard. Just a fun fact, I guess. She graduated from UPenn in 1994 with a B.A. and a B.S. in economics from the Wharton School, which is like the business side of UPenn. Okay. And so she moved to New York and then worked in investment banking because she went to school for economics. But she wasn't passionate about it. It wasn't like her thing. She was doing it more because money. Right. You know what I mean? And so she left there and enrolled in the French Culinary Institute, which she graduated from in 1999. After she graduated, she meets Matthew Kenny, who is a star chef and is like really renowned in New York City. They start dating opened their first restaurant together which was commissary in 2001 but that closed in 2003 because you know restaurant business yeah. it's hard to keep restaurants open and usually you're going to fail a couple times before you actually make it yeah a lot of people think that getting another restaurant business is easy money and most of them make no profit at all for the first like i think five years or something and a I... lot of them fail very quickly like that diner that's right there at the corner in Canawissa, the one that's in the old railroad station? How many have come and gone from there in the last couple of years? Yeah, many. Because I don't think people realize, like, how much cost you have when you're running a place like that, plus you have to pay employees and et cetera and send hunting around. But... Like I said, that didn't work out. And then she consulted for Jeffrey Shotaro, Ch- who is an actor, restaurateur, and financer at the Grill China Grill Management. And in June 2004, her, Kenny, and Shotaro decide to open their own restaurant with Shadow like, backing them up as, like, the financer or whatever of the restaurant. And they called it Pure Food and Wine. And it was going to be New York's first upscale raw food restaurant. So it was, like, a big deal, I guess. Raw food. Nothing is cooked. As they say, pl- everything's raw. Yes, nothing is cooked. Now, is this also vegan or just everything was raw? It's just all raw and... She is a vegan, and I think most of it was vegan. I said it was. I don't know if everything was, but I think most of most of it was because that's. And yeah, but her brand that. kind of, that's how she lived her life. I would hope so because I mean, you can't be serving like raw chicken. <laughs> yeah. It was frequented by celebrities including Owen Wilson, Giselle, and Tom Brady. Wow. Woody Harrelson, Alicia Silverstone, Gwyneth Paltrow, and even Bill Clinton. Yeah. get <laughs> <laughs> <You> ready. It? <laughs> yes. it was listed twice in the New York Magazine's Top 100 Restaurants. It was also for, in Forbes Magazine's list of all star New York eateries five years in a row. So, I mean, it was a big deal. It was like something new at the time, kind of. You know what I mean? And it was like at the time when people, I think, were like really. Yeah, I'm going I mean, house conscious. To say that, was, that was just kind of coming out. It was like a thing then. You know, I mean, it's still a thing, but I think that was when it was becoming an emerging thing. Thing. Yeah. And she had an executive chef. Her name was Nikki King Bennett. She had an operations manager, Jim Switzer. Joey Rupes was her beverage director, and Andrew Elliot was a graphic designer for her. Employees described her as like genuine, real, very compassionate, uh, warm, inviting. Overall, just like a good person. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And they often called her Sar Mama. <laughs> her name's Sarma, but they called her Sar Mama, which is. I mean, kind of cute, I guess. Yeah. She says that, because, like, at this time when it was, like, a big deal, she was mostly the face of it. Like, her and Matt Kenny were dating, and they kind of did it together, and he was already well-known, but she was kind of, like, the face of it. She was in magazines. She was on Magazine Comer, you know, all that shit, mm-hmm. all that crazy stuff. And then she said that, like, all people see is, like, a beautiful woman living like you know a healthy lifestyle doing all this fancy stuff but it's like a lot of hard work that's what i was gonna ask i didn't <laughs> want to sound like an asshole but i was gonna be like was she cute <laughs> is that why she has the face she was a pretty cute little blonde girl you know oh i didn't expect that of somebody named sarma she's blonde yes <laughs> um if you watch Dumping manor see she's like adorable she's like She was, like, I guess, like, not super young, though. Like, late 30s, early 40s, when they started all this, when all this went down or whatever. But, like, she looks good. But also, she's a vegan. So, I mean, she's living that healthy life. And they're, like, and she, like I said, she was, like, you look like you're doing really well, but there's so much going on behind the scenes. That's the thing, like... When you're doing something like that, it looks, looks can be deceiving. Let's just say that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they were doing well, but it's also very challenging and it's a lot of hard work. And there's so much you have to do behind the scenes when you're running something like that. You know what I mean? So they had, like I said, they started Pure Food and Wine, the three of them. But they also ended up opening this other place that was kind of related to it and part of it and it was called One Lucky Duck Juice and Takeaway oh. and they opened that in 2007 and it was like attached to the restaurant so it was like right next to it Okay, but it was like a retail store basically they also launched a website OneLuckyDuck.com in 2005 which was like an online store that sold stacks prepared and packaged like food from the restaurant as well as ingredients to make the things if you are health healthy food ingredients you know what i mean you know that sounds like a nice idea because honestly there's food that i like at restaurants but i don't want to have to, to do takeout if they would package up their shit and just sell it it's kind of cool i them do i mean i've seen some panera mac and cheese and stuff in in Walmart, in the frozen food section. But I mean, if you could just go and get yourself like a nice meal from one of these restaurants, it's just prepackaged. Like, come, guys, get on then take it home, get on, yeah, it. and do what you need to, to do, and yeah. not have to go to the restaurant and get you know takeaway. Yeah, it's kind of a neat idea. It also sold skincare, supplements, books, apparel. And like home products and all things were related to raw vegan and organic living. Huh. Which makes sense because that's their brand. So, her and Matthew Kenny also released a cookbook together around this time. But things were kind of it. Eh, you know what I mean? Matthew was not a good business person. He was a A very good chef, very talented, whatever. But he was known to stiff investors and not pay bills. Oh, that's great. That's what you want. Yeah. And they ended up having a very public split, but continued to work together. That's weird, because if he sucks as a businessman, I wouldn't even want to work with him, let alone be in a relationship. I mean, the relationship and the business are separate, so if you're not working as a partnership romantically and he sucks as a business partner why would you want to continue the business it only goes on for a little bit and then Jeffrey Chaudreau the backer the financer he has to choose between one of them because they both come to him in 2009 and are like I can't do your same more mm-hmm. you know what I mean and so he decides to go with Sarah and kick Matthew out of the restaurant because of his bad financial background and just not knowing how to run that part of a business. Yeah, that makes so sense. So he chooses Sarma and tells Matthew to go on his way. He sold the business to Sarma outright for $2.1 Uh, Shot, 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 sh- sh- I was like, I'm like, do I have his name right? And he's the one that sold it. He, yes. He sold it to her, so now she owns it outright, like all divisions of the business. So did Matthew, was he ever an owner in it, or was he just working? He was just, I guess they were just working in it, but Shotaro was the person that basically put the money forward to... So he technically owned it. He technically... Okay, I I was thinking that they all owned it and, like, he was just in it. No, yes. they kind of just went in it together, but he was the person who basically paid to open it. Okay. But she bought the business outright from him, but it was let... Okay, so she owes him the $2.1 million, but he said she could be the outright owner, but then she's got to make payments to him to pay off the 2.1 million. Okay. And at this point, she takes on a lot more, obviously. And she's very proud of what she's been able she starts a social media page. That's when she hired that graphic designer you know, and all that. And she has, you know, vision and drive. She's very committed she just this is what she wants to do and she's very set on it the problem is she doesn't have like a ton of money like far up gw right december 2009 they open a second one lucky duck location in new york's chelsea market i've never been but i've heard of it and mm-hmm. this location was in operation until january of 2015 There was a third location in San Antonio, Texas, Texas, that was in operation from 2014 until 2016 also. That's random. I'm just noting that we're not that late in the story, time-wise, but I'm just noting it. Good. And here's some interesting information. This is when stuff starts getting real weird. So... Alec Baldwin was someone who came to the restaurant a lot, I guess. And she met him. He kind of took a liking to her, whatever. And she said she felt like she already knew him somehow. It was like, you know, like when you meet somebody and sometimes you have like this instant connection, instinct type of connection. Um and he obviously had a crush on her. But she was already seeing, I guess, someone else, not that Matthew Kenny guy because they're done, but seeing someone else. So she's looking up dogs for him to adopt because this was, like, before he was married and had a million kids or whatever. He's going to say So he wasn't involved with Hillary. Hillary sorry, Hilaria. 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 Yeah, we'll get to that. But no, not yet. A.K.A. Hillary, <laughs> New Jersey or something. Yeah. <laughs> So instead, she's looking up dogs for him to adopt. But she sees a dog, and she's just drawn to this dog, okay? And she's like, I have to have this dog. So she ends up adopting a dog. His name is Leon. Ew. Yeah, so she names him Leon. All right. But she says she always regretted not dating Alec. That's what she says. I really thought that was going to go to. She regretted not naming the dog, not Leon. <laughs> no, no. And oddly enough, he ends up meeting his wife, Hilaria, at the restaurant. That's where they met, and it's on social media. So, like, because when he met her, like, he posted about it. So, it's like a known fact. Okay, but very interesting. Sarma, poor Sarma, her personal life is not good at this point. She's broke and alone. She owes Shadaro all that money. I thought you said she was dating somebody. They split? They split. Okay. And then, like I said, she regretted not dating Alec, but she was with someone at the time. And then when they split, she felt like she missed out. Missed out. Why didn't I do that? But too late. So... She kind of is like, I don't want to say reckless, but she thrives on being alone. Hey, I relate, girl. That's fine. You do your thing. Yeah, and always thought of herself as like kind of different from other people. They're right. But then she goes on and she meets this Shane guy. Shane? Oh, Oh, Shanes are never good. Is it Shane that gets her in the mess? Yes. Okay. Okay. She meets Shane Fox, and the way they met is kind of wishy-washy, but according to the documentary, and it it, it looked to be true because they showed the social media interactions. They met through Alec's social media because he was commenting things to Alec all the time, and she thought that Alec personally knew him. Why would you assume that he's a celebrity? Randos comment on their shit all the time. True, but he would, like, comment back all the time. Like, they had interactions. So, okay, I don't mean, know. it was like... A weird... Shamar Moore, Morgan you know, from Criminal Minds, responded to one of my friends once and called her baby girl. And also, we shit our pants, but that doesn't mean that she actually knows him. True. That's very true. But in her eyes, like, because of their interactions, I guess, apparently... She thought that they knew each other personally. Then she starts interacting with Shane. He seemed clever. He was also from Massachusetts, just like her. Yeah. She thought it was fate that they met because of Alec. Any of you listeners are from Massachusetts? I'm sorry, but I hate your state. <laughs> it's the same. Okay. <laughs> we have personal. <laughs> we have personal beef with <laughs> the <Kate>, I'm Massachusetts. <laughs> But this lady seems nice. So yeah. She thought that they met because of Alec and that it was like fate just like her getting her dog, She kind of felt like that was fate and it was because of Alec. Because she was looking up the dogs because of Alec. But I mean did Alec very... go. <laughs> She's kind of a spiritual person, you know. She's got different, you know, way of thinking of things. And I I kind of tend to think that I'm like that in certain ways, but sometimes it gets you into trouble, which is, you know, what's gonna happen here, yeah. of course. You can't be too woo-woo. You gotta stop at some You gotta stop yeah. it at some point. It at some point. <laughs> so they start chatting while playing Words With Friends. Do you remember what that was a thing, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> words With Friends. I never played word, Words With Friends, but I did play Trivia Crack, and I used to get, like, some creepy old men hitting on me, and then there was one guy that was like, I want to sex chat now, okay, okay? Oh, and I oh, was like, "That's a bit intense." Okay, no, <laughs> yeah, that's that's too much. And I would never. I'm sorry, but like, I've never chatted with someone on a game. But that's what she did. But then again, she had seen him interacting with Alex. Just like I said, she thought that well, we'll see it was okay. We'll they would met in person in the at the end of 2011. It's getting juicy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But he looks different in person than like his photos and things and stuff so, that they had shared. They always. <laughs> and she had kind of saw him as like a big strong guy, a protector type, and she kind of fell for him before they even met in person. Do you know what I mean? I mean, By the and all. It does. Have- That's why catfishing is a thing because people <laughs> yeah. fall for an online persona before they meet the actual person. And he even would tell her things like he'd been waiting for her for a thousand years. Oh, gross. You know, he was in love with her before he even met her. You know, crazy bullshit. Like, Oh, God. If you guys could see my face right now. (laughs) Yeah. That's probably why this child is sneering at me through the door. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. When she first introduced him to people at work and whatever. She, she told some people he was her cousin and other people he was a friend from high school, like a high school friend. Wow. That's how she introduced him to people. She probably didn't want to look crazy, like, hey, I met this, I got online. I guess back at that point, me, I don't want online was still kind of, people were judgy about it. Nowadays, they're just like, whatever, girl, go on Tinder, it's fine. And they were like, Okay, but like who is he? And I guess he had fifty thousand followers on his I don't know if it was Twitter or Instagram that they were I don't remember what they were using. But it was two thousand five, Instagram didn't exist yet. I guess. It was Twitter, I think. And Instagram, Instagram right came out in two thousand twelve. I know this oh. because I was on it immediately. Okay. <laughs> I don't I don't remember. That's why I'm like, I don't know. And he said his occupation was black ops under the radar. He was an ex Navy SEAL. All this mumbo jumbo. Jesus (laughs) Christ! I know. That's what I'm saying. She she said he even had like a seal thing on his computer, like the like the home like before you get in it. Okay, you can't possibly just put a desktop (laughs) on there. I'm just I'm stating what I, what I know, okay. <laughs> and a passcode on his laptop. Well not a passcode. He had an assistant and a driver. He had Rolexes. He had a Bentley. He gave the impression of wealth, but is very elusive and vague about how he has this or does a word he does or anything. But if he's working, like, something under the radar like Black Ops, that's impossible to prove, to disprove, because it's, like, it's not like there's a website or a homepage that lists the people that work for Black Ops. But here's the thing, also. Shouldn't it have been a red flag? Because I'm pretty sure people that actually work in Black Ops don't tell you that they're Black Ops. And they wouldn't show you their steel laptop, and, like, they... And don't have to be saved And he showed her, it's just, she saw it. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, crazy stuff. I don't well, know. Well, if somebody tells you they're a CIA agent or something, automatically know that they're not a CIA agent because they don't tell you. Yeah. Sarma said she does not remember the exact first time he asked for money, but that he made it seem urgent, like life or death. Don't think i waste. And that he needed it right away of course there's the sense of urgency yes sarma's sister says that she was very generous and liked to help people just by nature that's just how she was and she in the documentary talks about her helping these like homeless people when they were younger and her sister like tried to tell her like hey you can't help every single person because she's like going from person to person you know on the street and I don't know what age they were at the time, but she does kind of befriend a New York homeless man. His name's Anthony Car- Caruana, and he knew her for nine years. And like I said, they met because he was homeless. And he said the way he describes it is their eyes connected, and she smiled, and then they just made conversation and whatever from there and became fast friends he even came to a staff thanksgiving at one point stored his winter things at her home like but did she i mean what did she actually do for him i mean if he's a homeless well I, i don't but think she she just was his friend i don't think she tried to do too much because i feel like those people are prideful you know what i mean I hate those videos where people are, like, all up in homeless people's business. Oh, no, you do should do all these yeah. things. No, if just you're going to do, yeah. do a good deed, then just do the damn good deed. do the You deed. don't need to. A lot of them make up the excuse where they're like, well, I'm just showing it so that other people will be inspired to do it. No, you're showing it to get points for being right. a good person. You need to leave them alone unless they want you to be filming them and i can't imagine being unhoused and wanting someone to film me at my lowest no i can't imagine that either he says sarma touched his heart in a way no one else has he kind of like gets choked up when he met shane he got a bad first impression like right away all right you gotta trust the dude i mean you gotta trust your friends when your friends tell you As somebody coming into your life is bad news, you need to believe them because those are the people that know you best. I mean, a lot of times your friends know you more than your own family knows you. And if they're telling you, you know, I'm getting a bad vibe from this person, I'm not saying outright dump that person and run for the hills. But maybe take what they're saying into consideration and take off the fucking rose-colored glasses and, and, and start to see if there's any real red flags. Yeah, he said he was just, like, sitting up there in the apartment. Didn't even introduce himself. No introduction. Didn't say, hey, I'm so-and-so. No handshake, no nothing. Ew. I mean, I'm extremely introverted, and even I do that. Like, uh, I would never just, even when I come to your house, even if it's just me and you are going to hang out and Jay is going somewhere, I still say hello to Jay. I'm not going to just ignore his existence. Right. He said it was really weird. But also, like, when he left or whatever, he's like, hey, you know, if you ever need anything. Because, like, he would, he would like, do things for her, too. You know what I mean? Like, they had a friendship. They had a friendship. And he's like, you know, I'm here if you need me, this, that, whatever. And he said, she's got me. That's why I'm here. Ew. No. Red flag. Big red flag. I would have been like. I would have been like, get the fuck out. What the fuck? Like that's very controlling. That's like very she's my property, I'll take care of it situ get out of here, get go. Yeah. The workers at the restaurant see the name Anthony Strangest come up on the caller ID when Shane is calling the restaurant at one point. So they Google the name and find out he's not Shane Fox. Because Shane Fox is Anthony. They are one and the same. Fine, it Yes. And what is Yeah. So they Google him, like I said, and they see that he has been in jail before, falsely impersonated a cop. He's just all around shady. Like, everything surrounding him. Shanky Shane, shape Yeah, Shady, Shane. But when people come to... Sh- Sarma, and they say whatever to her, she dismisses it, wasn't hearing it. Sarma, look, no, no, all. no, okay, no, no dick is that good. I don't know. Just... <laughs> she says it's in the past and that it's fine. No. But they do break up for a bit. Sarma goes to stay with her mom in New Hampshire. But while she's there, she's got time while she's home by herself. Her mom's not around. She gets lonely. Because, again, I'm assuming her mom's working or whatever. I don't know. Oh, we're calling up Shay. She called him. And he picks her up and drives her and Leon home to New York. What kind of breed was Leon, do you know? I think it was a pit mix type. I don't know. Gray bigger dog. I- I- I saw it. I just don't know much about dogs. You're gonna have to show me a picture. I really saw I can determine what he is. He's a cute dog, though. And what's unusual is he brought his dad with it. Okay. And the dad backed up everything he was saying. So was it really the dad or was this a pig actor? No, it's the real dad. Okay. The Dan is just a piece of shit, too, which we will find out later on. Okay, cool. Yep. We'll, we'll hear more about that. She got pulled back in, obviously. Says she felt understood and that this was what was meant to be. I don't know. Okay. They go home, like I said. And in the next, like, days or whatever, he ends up, taking her to Tiffany's she tried on rings some of which were upwards of like eight hundred thousand dollars yeah Tiffany's is not cheap yeah and so she's thinking like oh we're on the fast track to like engagement things are gonna be good things are gonna be you know whatever things are looking up They even go to this place called the King Cole Bar after and she tells him she loves him because at this point she's starting to feel like she does. You know what I mean? She's feeling that connection. She feels like he's making an effort I guess. Things are better. Uh, They don't, they didn't buy a ring. It was just like the idea of it. Like just trying it on and then you know, I don't know. Right. The thing is this man is a piece of garbage, okay? And so at any point, when things are going down between him and her, and she won't listen to him, later in the future, as his story progresses, he wants her to remember that feeling. So he will bring this incident up all the time when he doesn't get what he wants. So will be like, He'll it... Exactly. He'd be like, Remember the King Cole bar, you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. Vapor that feeling. Like, yeah, I do remember that feeling, and I'm not fucking feeling it now, so let's fix that. Yeah. So anytime that he didn't give, he wanted the money he asked for or anything like that, he would bring that up and hold that over. Oh, remember that one good time we had five years ago? What the fuck? They also went on to look at townhouses, One was, like, $15 million. They were going through the same broker that Alec got his apartment from, so another connection to good old Alan Baldwin. And at this point, he's claiming that he has various funds stashed away. They even meet with private bankers at Barclays. But it ends up the funds never materialize because... He didn't actually have them. He didn't actually have them, and I'm sure he's falsifying documentation that he did and whatever, who knows. So the deal falls through. They don't end up getting a place. And at this point, Sarman is paying Jeffrey when she can, which is not often, but only a couple thousand dollars at a time. At the most, it would be like 10 grand. So she still owes him a good sum of money she's basically in debt you know what i mean well yeah and she kind of saw anthony slash shane as like kind of like a savior like somebody she really thought that like at this point she really thinks that he has money he says that he's going to pay off her debts so she thinks that he's gonna pay this two million that she owes and everything's going to be all hunky-dory, you know? He's like, I have the money, I'm going to make it all go away. And she felt like he could support her and protect her. That's the impression that she was getting at this point. And she felt like he trusted and believed in her. And she didn't have a business partner at this time, so she's just I guess, grasping at straws, I don't know. I really don't know. They meet with an attorney. The attorney says the easiest and best way for him to give her the money, if he is going to, in fact, give her the money Mm -hmm. that he says he has, is by marrying him. Amen. So within 24 hours, they got a marriage license and are married, and this is November of 2012. Oddly enough, she hid the marriage, though, from her employees, from her parents as well. Okay. When she did tell them, she had zero excitement as what these people were saying and even hid the ring by another ring that she would wear on the same finger that had, like, dangly things and stuff hanging off it. She's actually wearing it in her interviews. That's weird exactly yeah you would think if he if she thinks so highly of him and she's so in love with him he would be happy and proud to announce your marriage not hiding it i mean does i hide th- it because of what i think, think things it? changed really quickly and she was ashamed once this very quick marriage thing happened it's it's kind of wild actually People say they didn't act couply at this point or show any affection towards one another. <laughs> but from what I heard, they did in the beginning, like when he first came, because when she was like saying, oh, that's my cousin, that's my high school friend, they were acting like that. And people were like, no, there's something going on here. You know? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's weird. Like, to call him your cousin, but you're affectionate, like a boyfriend. Right. And now you're married. But now they're acting like not. nothing. Yeah, now they're not. He would often use Leon as leverage because he knew how much she loved him, like, this is the greatest love of her life, this dog, okay? What do you mean he would use Leon as leverage? Is- I'm getting mad. You know, Hold on, is the baby, as leverage. That's sweet. Said he had... Own- it's not like that. Said he had owned Leon or a previous version of Leon. What fuck does that mean? Because... In his mind, people have... And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. Different lives, whatever. So, like, he thinks that, like, whatever dog he had owned previously is now an elite. Oh, Jesus. Okay. No, he doesn't actually. (laughs) Or, Or he said that because he thought that she would believe that or... I don't know. And he also said that he had lived many lives. He had been looking for her, like I said. He said that before, but he would say... I said that before, but he would say this a eyes are rolling, so... (laughs) And he finally found her. She is the one to him, okay? He started referring to her as TBH, tiny blonde human. Ew. Ew. Yeah, no. And kind of made himself out to be something other than human, which is kind of weird also. Like, he was otherworldly, and he chose her so she should feel grateful because he's kind of like above her this dude is a narcissist flat out here's 100 versions of grandeur his manipulation tactics his isolation his lies bitch i 100 percent agree he even said at one point that he was immortal and he could make her and leon immortal as well have Listen, it goes on and on and on. She had to follow a certain program or like test protocol, whatever you want to call it. He had he had already passed his test, of course. It was in some, you know, ethereal new state of being, different world type thing. This is this is the bullshit he was feeding her. He boasted this sort of ut- utopia that he described as the happily ever after, which is where they're supposed to get to at some point. Said things to her like, cause they show like photos of her journal and stuff. And he would said things to her like, my power, my wealth, my influence, it's all yours. What fucking power, what, whatever. You ain't that shit. He's a scamming asshole. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah exactly and like i said this whole time he'd been claiming he had tons of money but that money did not matter okay he has all the length but money doesn't matter care me <laughs> money doesn't matter i think maybe it does had her wire him money to prove her worthiness and to pass these certain tests i thought money doesn't matter that's the point that's what he's trying to prove is that money doesn't matter so he wanted her to give him this money to prove that money doesn't matter i hate this guy he would ask for four thousand to ten thousand at a time but he does return some of it to her and then says he will get the rest back to her eventually you know i guess after she passed all these fucking pests or whatever the fuck it becomes immortal this is where we're introduced to will richards who is supposedly an associate of anthony's and said to be a tech friendly government, works in IT in Europe. She gave him access to all her passwords, oh email, bank account information, all that stuff. They were corresponding for three to four years, but never met in person. Was he actually real? We'll get there. <laughs> he said to be there to protect her because, you know supposedly this anthony shane guy works in black ops Mm -hmm. and it's dangerous whatever Mm -hmm. and like kind of run in but really he was there to like run in interference for anthony and make things more believable okay if you get what I'm saying. So, like, I mean, if he's got somebody who's supposedly... That hurts a lot of fun things and saying all these it's, things. It's a lot easier to convince somebody to lie when you have an objective third party agreeing that it's true. Exactly. People always describe Sarma as having a new age kind of mysticism. She doesn't obey normal rules. She's kind of open-minded. So she was primed to fall for all the people that's the kind of people they go for she was a loner in school felt like no rules applied to her she was different special not special in like that kind of way but just she didn't just fit in she wasn't normal yeah so she's vulnerable so then he saw that she was quiet self-contained read a lot very smart so like even though you're smart you can still fall for people's Manipulation. Oh, yeah, I feel like we've stressed that many times. Many times. times. That you do not have to be stupid to fall for a scam or a fraud. Oh yeah. It has nothing to do with your intelligence level. It's just how good they are at getting... At getting to you... ...believe what they want. Exactly. At this point, business is booming. It's the top raw food in the world. Opportunities to open in other places are... thrown at her. Um, countries like Istanbul and Japan were interested. Also, they were interested in opening one in L.A., which would be the perfect idea, honestly. I would love to get to Istanbul one day, you know, when they're obviously doing better and it's a little safer. I would love to go to that city. Right. They had about 300 guests a night. She even gave Jeffrey a $100,000 check. That made her feel so good. Yeah, I mean, you would. It's like when you finally pay off your car or something, you make your last payment, and you're like, oh, shit, you know. You do feel good. Right, but she still felt like she needed, like, a business partner, someone else to rely on. And Anthony slash Shane starts guiding her to make the right moves with the business. And at this point, Sarma kind of turns more introverted, and people are getting, like, bad vibes from... Shane, Anthony, whatever you want to call him. He even took employee files at one point. Ew. Why, I don't know. Yeah, you don't need to... If you're not officially part of the business, buddy, you don't need to be looking at employee files. Yeah, kind of crazy. Because it had all their personal stuff, like their address and everything in it. Exactly. He would... Kind of sort of show up and kind of boss people around, run things every once in a while for her while she was at the office, which was actually in her home also. The office was in her home. (laughs) He also had this mentality where he said that people were either red shirts or blue shirts, which was like good and bad people. And he would just go around and just like pick people out and be like, you know, and so I think he was, like, analyzing the people at her work, too. Do you know what I mean? And saying, like, oh, this person's not good for you. This, Yeah, I have a failing the only ones that were deemed bad were the ones that were seeing through his... Oh, yeah, exactly. He started asking for huge amounts of money, 20000 to 40000 at a time, and when she refused, he would accuse her of valuing money over their relationship. Okay, now this guy's still worse. Exactly. I know. It just gets it gets worse and worse. Will, you know, the supposed person that works for Anthony, mm-hmm. at, at one point says he's in Africa fighting rebels when he, like, goes away for some time because he would, like, come and go. Do you know what I mean? Like, he'd be there sometimes and sometimes he wouldn't be. And this is where <laughs> this is where really gets fucking wild. He starts using the term the family to refer to like kind of a overarching like group of judges who watch your every move and he would use this term to her he's got a lot of different terms that we're gonna learn about but whatever all right bro and like i said she has to complete necessary tasks to get her soul in perfect alignment of what their goals are to pass into a new state of being where she kind of becomes this like superhuman Immortal being, whatever. Yeah. And he said that they have a house in California and that she would be the queen of of this place, whatever. I'm sorry, I would have a hard time believing in somebody's immortal unless they can prove it to me. I need you to go jump off a roof and then walk away. Right. And then we'll talk. He would tell her things like, just hang on and you will get everything you've ever wanted. He starts at this point. He starts asking for a hundred k per week. God, she's just draining her funds. If she doesn't do the things asked of her, then it will all be destroyed and taken away. Is what he would say to her. Like they have literal voice messages of this guy screaming at her sometimes, and I'm just like, I just I'm so it's torn wild. between is he just a narcissistic piece of shit who's abusing her or is he genuinely mentally unwell Uh, i kind of like i don't know how i feel about it but i think he's a narcissist he would say things are like don't you want happily ever after or the you know utopia type thing he was talking about he would also use the term brother to refer to a mysterious being that could That could see anywhere and everywhere and knew what was going on at all times, you know what I mean? And when he says shit like that, it's like, is this a well-orchestrated narcissistic approach or is he like a schizophrenic person? Said she would be killed by brother or the family if she did not wire him the money. He would say she wasn't safe, that she had to pack up her stuff and go stay in hotel rooms, which she did. Yeah, that's mild. It's just... Instead of, like, being at her shelves, where all office was, she would take her laptop, take all her things, and go stay in hotels. Yes. The, the... Because he had her worried that something bad was going to happen. Yeah, so that's the, the only thing that's pushing me more into him being just a narcissist is that, uh, the money thing. Because if he was just genuinely mentally unwell, unwell, he would be like, we need to run together from brother, you know, we need to just... Get away from him, or hide from him, or whatever. I don't think money would be involved because most like people who are having, you know, or a mental break of some sort, they're not trying to get money or to them. So I think he's just an abusive, ship. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, he would claim that something bad would happen to her if she went home. At one point, Andrew Elliot, the guy that was the graphic designer was still working at her home office even when she wasn't there to, she was staying in hotels. Mm-hmm. And he found cabinet doors broken and what looked like blood on the floor, like red stains. Okay. I don't know. I can't you can't make this shit up. He also would use the term in the box, which meant they were safe to talk and that no one was listening. So he would always say to her, when we were in the box, or, like, I told you whatever when we were in the box. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he used that term to refer to, like... God, it sounds like he's trying to, like, fucking insane. Like, psychologically break her and, like, make... Is He almost has tendencies of, of like, a cult leader, but he's only preying on, like, one person. Exactly. He called... He called his body his meat suit oh what the fuck and said that she was supposed to be disgusted by it because he doesn't follow her lifestyle he's not the typical person that you would think that she would be with which also was something that people were like what the hell so you don't and that i try not to judge that because i don't either because there i know several like gym rat guys who are real buff and they go to the gym all the time and they have They're just attracted to curvier women, and that's fine. That's their Mm -hmm. personal preference. But he would say that it was part of the test. Like, she was supposed to be repulsed by, like... So you think he was saying that maybe to get her to not want to be intimate with him because he didn't actually care for her, he just wanted her money? Maybe. Maybe. I have no idea. I just know that that was discussed in the documentary. And that makes me think like the they. Were they ever into because he like as a like I I think they were in the beginning, but I don't think they were later on because she even says that she was at the at a certain point disgusted by him, even the smell of him. She said, "Yeah, I mean, well, be, but I mean, guys, all (laughs) the gaslighting and manipulation. So they'll do that to you." He even once said. If I tell you to take all your money out and light it on fire, you fucking do it. Oh man, I'd light him on fire and skip. Oh yeah. Then comes in this guy, Nassi, who is an associate of Anthony's, who also, by the way, lent him money. Thirty five thousand right off the bat. I don't want friends. Give gave it directly of to him. Yeah, gave it directly to him. No, like signed agreement. Like, hey, I'll pay this back or anything like that. Just gave it to him. It's like, here, hey, can you give me like ten thousand dollars? I'll pay you back. Sure, <laughs> if I had it. <laughs> he also told him that he was ex-military and told him weird things like the devil told him he had to collect souls and weird fucking shit. And he said he would get very angry when his bullshit didn't work on him. Uh, Okay, I think that, there we go, there's our answer. Because a genuinely unwell person, they're not, no. They just actually don't have that realization. They don't have that realization. Yeah. He once just, I don't know, just fucking crazy shit. He, it says that Sarma had sent Anthony 1.7 million between 2012 and 2014. Wow. Yeah. And they talk to him again and he says the first year that they were working together or or being friends whatever Anthony spent this is when all the shit starts coming out Anthony spent six months of that year at the casino. He was sort of what they would call a high roller. He would get limos free suites so Nasim thought that he had money, and he thought that he was going to get paid back the money they let him too. Yeah. One time, he said he saw him playing three slots and roulette at the same time. I yeah. have no frame of reference for if that's crazy or not because I've but, never actually ab- I've never actually done anything at a casino other than pee and said that he would play for six to seven hours at a time or there was even an instance where he was playing for that long and then Nas went to go take a nap, came back and he was still playing like eight to ten hours later. Wow. So this is when Nas starts to realize he's playing with the restaurant money and that he basically is a gambling addict but at this point, it was too late. He'd already given him, at this point, $100,000 total. Wow. And he gambled it all away? Yes. And he thought if he walked away, he'd be screwed, have nothing. Do you know what I mean? So he just stuck around. But at some point, him and Sarma kind of become more friends than him and this Anthony Sheen guy or whatever. He's kind of trying to help her. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like that's a good thing. They could use each other and less of him. Yeah. He even found out that Anthony stole a luxury car in Sarasota, Florida and was on probation because he asked Nasir to take him down there for some reason and he said he couldn't fly because he would get arrested. Okay. Because he was on probation from Florida. And so he was... Oh, fucking out. So he was on probation in Florida, but he was in New York. How is that? Listen, I don't know. Probably because he was going by that other name. I really you don't. Yeah, exactly. he must have been driving the whole time, and that's why he wanted to, because whoever in Florida probably had no idea he wasn't in Florida. Now, this is where we go into, he even said while they were down there, I need to go visit my ex-wife and kid oh guess what the interview said ex-wife was next her name is Stacy Strangest she basically backs up everything do you know what I mean like that he is a full lot she calls him a sociopath oh I thought you meant like she was back no like not him no no no, no, no not all. like she's all for like Sarma like she's like guy's a full-on fucking psycho okay she starts talking about some of the lies that he told her told her he was an ex-navy seal which he told pretty much everyone that was shot in the line of duty and once again that was confirmed by his father because she did meet his father also he would say things to her like that they were reincarnated lovers who kept finding their way through time what the fuck I don't know how women are falling for this. Actually, you know what, I do. I, I have been manipulated a lot of you, It's it's, but some of this is kind of wild. It's easy to fall for bullshit. It's, it's that love bonding stage, the yeah stage of the yeah. narcissist, where they they feed you all that bullshit and get you feeling all kinds of special, and then, and, you know, and then they slowly kind of chip away at your yeah. sanity, your soul, basically, yeah. They got married in Vegas after three months of dating and she ended up pregnant with their daughter riley at one point he told her he had an aunt who died and left him five million dollars they even went to a bank and set up three separate accounts one for him one for her one for the Suey to be daughter she later found out that that was a lie obviously mm-hmm. and he was flat broke and had no job and no motivation to i guess do anything he even once said to her after the baby was born that he could kill her with salt and it wasn't traceable on an autopsy. Salt? Yeah, like if you consume too much salt. Do you know how much salt you have to consume? It's salt? a lot. Sir, you could kill somebody way faster with succinylcholine. By the way, people, please don't take that. Don't no, do that. Please, I don't want to be implicated in anything. So she never left him alone, even though he's the father of her daughter. Never left him alone with Riley because of that statement. Well, yeah, I wouldn't. And I wouldn't either. And he also always said that there were demons coming after him. He is the demon. He is. Yeah, exactly. is the, the demon body. in a meat suit. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, she had met the father too. And they do talk about the father a little bit. The father was a gambler also, an alcoholic, a cop. Great. Oh, great. Just all of it's great. Who at one point held his whole family at gunpoint, but then because he is a cop, when people were called, which was after the incident, he wasn't there anymore. It all got blown over. Of course. And of course, you know, fun fact, uh, police are statistically more likely to abuse their families than other people. So, I mean, he didn't grow up in the best... Whatever it was, even stated that his father took him when he was a kid to places where he was gambling, drinking, whatever, and he was just like there and he was witnessing all of this. Yeah, let the bell mess you know, <laughs> up, but yeah, you still not an excuse. You still, you still make your own choices. Hang, hang with me, my friends. I know this is a lot, one. Then he started having these things called what he called cosmic endurance tests (laughs) for her in order to get to the world that was promised. He sent her to Rome to be by herself for 10 days with a one-way ticket. Okay, cool. Vacation. Away from him. Sounds good. True. Saying that the family would, family, (laughs) would see how much she wanted it. Wanted what? Happily around her little roll and be away from this stupid ass? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, so she wasn't replying to work while she was gone on this trip. Shane was doing it for her. Mm-hmm. She was not allowed. Whenever all this shit would go on, she wasn't allowed to have any of her devices. Nothing. Okay. Isolation. Yeah. He was having Kurt move money also, and he was staying in luxury hotels back home. He wasn't even staying in her apartment or whatever. He was living it up, okay? He's telling people he's going to take pure food and wine to the next level. He calls a meeting at the restaurant while she's gone for these 10 days. Says he is buying the restaurant. And this made people upset, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I'd quit. Yeah. And at this point, she doesn't have enough money to make payroll. She's not there. She's away. He's there. She doesn't have enough money to make payroll to pay these people. Because he took so much money out of her account. <laughs> so she has a friend loan her 100000 so she can pay these people for working at her restaurant. He also told her while she was there she was supposed to meet brother. Wait, I thought brother was the bad guy. No. Oh, no, brother's the all-seeing he, guy. It's the all-seeing, all-knowing person. Which was, like, mission impossible because... you know it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, and she realizes it's a lie. It's also said that Anthony knows it is all bullshit as well, but to some extent... They're thinking that he's kind of in love with the fantasy world that he created also and he kind of like gets off on it or yeah, I'm like he knows it's not real but he wishes it was and he likes to to make the shit up eventually he lets her come home says she passed the test she's basically at this point no longer running her restaurant he kind of is now she's kind of just there she's there but she's not do you know what I mean? She's so out of it, so just... No, like I said, he's, like, trying to psychologically break her. Yeah, it's crazy. He starts pleading with her family for money because he's depleted all her funds. At one point in Thanksgiving of 2012, he gets Sarma's mom to give him money. That's, like, the first time, I guess, that she that the mother actually gives him money. Mm-hmm. She ends up firing, like, the guy that was running things for her, her main operations manager, Jim Switzer, and it probably wasn't even actually her, it was probably this motherfucker who did it. Oh, probably, yeah. Seems like he's calling all the shots. Yeah. And after he accuses her of stealing money from the restaurant, and then hires an untrained accountant who is funneling money by hand even at times to Anthony. Wow. People start questioning her integrity, her commitment to the restaurant, her, even her lifestyle of vegan in general mm-hmm. at this point. This is where she gets really crazy <laughs> and he for some reason says that they have to, he takes them to Paris, but he says they have to fly out of Montreal. I don't know why. So they drive to Montreal to fly to Paris. Probably just because he can't fly from the United States. Probably that he's going to go to jail. They don't really explain it. It's just, it was stated. She's not paying employees at this point. They do end up walking out on her. She's telling them that she switched to a monthly payroll. Then she did end up having to message them or call them. And I don't know if it was even her all the time doing these things if it was him acting as her or saying he was her but had to tell them that their checks were going to bounce people who got direct deposit she had to be like don't spend that money wow do you know what i mean because it it wasn't going to be there no one trusted either of them at this point i don't blame them like i said employees were walking out the restaurant was shut down for three months because they were like Fuck this shit. We're not going to be here if we're not getting paid. She also owes back rent to the landlord. So that's a whole other thing. Just really in trouble. Yeah, so after three months of the restaurant being shut down, she needs more money. She unbelievably and very fast, Jeffrey even said this is like unprecedented, unheard of raised $850,000 very quickly to kind of get things back through like small investors and different ventures and things or whatever. Everybody supports her. They want to feel like this is, things are going to get better. Mm -hmm. So... While she was gone, and they weren't working for her for those three months, they were all working for Jeffrey at another place that he had. He was, like, kind of helping them out. But once she starts to try to reopen, the majority of people come back. The majority of people. I wouldn't say it was probably everybody, but the majority of people came back because they want to believe her. They like her. They know how... She used to be, but she's completely changed. She's a completely different person now. Yeah. It's just wild. strangest took all her friends from her accounts, drained them. So she wanted everything the second go around to be in the investor's name. She wouldn't want her name on anything. She didn't want a name on any accounts, any anything. But she didn't want him to touch it, to touch it or have access to it. Somehow he ends up, because he has access to her email, starts emailing the investors himself as her. This is when she finds out said techie guy in Europe is actually him, this entire time. Okay, that's what I thought, which we all kind of figured and knew said techie guy is him all along. And he was emailing people as her, And he would even email her as, like, other... He's just a fucking psycho, okay? (laughs) Let's be real. He was reading all her messages, etc. That's how he always knew what was going on with her, even when she didn't tell him things. He knew fucking things. And she was like, how the fuck? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's how. At this point, she feels trapped. And it's just like... She said in her own words, "Believing, she, it was like she had to believe everything because believing the alternative was too painful. Well, girl, which is valid, you know what I mean? But it's going to have to face reality at some, yeah. Cut to um, her telling Jeffrey Schreiberow that someone named Michael Caledonia wants to buy them out and pay off the investors. But it's actually... It's a again. God damn it. He makes her fly to Miami alone to face Jeffrey, who at this point feels betrayed. Well, yeah. Then she went from Miami to Connecticut, and he took her last $50,000 that she had out of the bank, and she just shut down. Like, she's just done at this point. Mm-hmm. See? At this point is when they're basically considered on the run, is what they call it in all the articles and all the everything. She didn't see it that way because she felt like she wasn't even really there anymore. She wasn't participating in life anymore. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he was just taking her, he took her away. Everything she knew basically is over. Her name is tarnished. There was whole families that worked for her not getting paid. Right. And she doesn't have anything. She's got nothing. And she said there was no discussion. Nothing. And she did not realize that she would be considered on the run. And she even says, why would she leave willingly with someone that she, you know, didn't really care for at this point? Also... She just raised all that money in order to reopen, so why would she just take the fuck off? Mm -hmm. But he's pissed at this point. Do you know what I mean? Like, they have conversations of him, like, screaming, like, she ruined everything. Because why he ruined it? Because she she didn't want to have her name on all that shit so that he couldn't take all this money and shit again. (laughs) It's fucking unbelievable, honestly. Spring of 2015... It says they were doing a lot of driving. They were considered fugitives and hiding. She covers her tattoo with a band aid because she had a tattoo that was of the duck for her brand. Okay. So that would be something that would be very well known if people saw it. Yeah, never. So she, we like a big one of those big band aids to cover it up. Goes by the name Emma. Yeah. Emma. They're going where there are casinos. They end up in Vegas for months. Of course. Yeah. She said during this time, she was basically on her own because he's wasting whatever money at the casino he has left at the casino. She says she was just unpleasant experience. There was no healthy food for her to eat. There were no... That she was interested in in Vegas, like bookstores or you know, magazine type things, newspaper stands, that sort of thing. She said she was this is when she says she was repulsed by him, even the smell of him made her sick. Mm-hmm. He starts having her mom send him money all the time at this point. That's how he's feeding his fucking gambling bullshit. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even know that he's talking to the mom. She doesn't know they're in communication, oh. which is just wild. But he's telling the mom, he tried to do it to other family members too, but they wouldn't fall for it, the father and the sister, because the mom and the dad are divorced. And he tried to talk to the father and sister, and they were like, fuck that, I'm not falling for this fucking bullshit. Because he would say like, he needed it for Sarma, she's not well, no. whatever, this, that, whatever. The mom fell for it, though. And sent him money multiple times. He won't let them talk to her. He only did a handful of times let them talk to her. And that was like after very much persistence. Okay. Ten months go by. And he asks. He's running out of money. He asked her to get $60,000. He's like, you have to do this for me. What the fuck ever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they end up stopping back in New York. They go back to New York. So she can get this money from a friend because at least she doesn't have. Yeah, she doesn't have anything. Or so that's how the story went. Now, I don't know. Maybe this is all kind of like a little wishy-washy. You know what I mean? I don't know. Then from there, they had to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, near Dollywood. She was financially and mentally drained at this point. She had to do nothing left. Nothing. She's like grasping at straws. She said she was living on freaking Chipotle because it was like the most healthiest alternative she could find. It was like vegan bowls from Chipotle. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> she even made a friend at the local Chipotle there because they were in Tennessee for 10 months. His name was Dustin, but he knew her as Emma because that's what she was going by. Right. And he called, in his interviews, he was calling Anthony Chris. So apparently he was going by brother alternate. Yes. (laughs) They are being sued by these investors for $280,000. They have warrants out for their arrest. The employees have walked out again and are picketing for their wages. It's just a mess at this point. And this is when they get caught. He has stupidly, he has a delivery of Domino's Pizza and Wings delivered to their to Fairfield Fairfield Inn and Suites where they're staying. And so he pulled up Andrew T in his own <laughs> name. In his in Anthony Stranger's name, in his name on his own credit card. Like a dumbass. Okay. So May tenth of twenty sixteen, they were arrested. They spent 10 days in jail in Tennessee, then they were flown back to New York and driven to Rikers. She was in jail for one week and got out on thirty—not thirty, three 30, $300,000 bail, and they were being charged with grand larceny and criminal tax fraud. She spent one year out fighting her case, and she was facing a maximum sentence of 15 years was accused of stealing about $2 million in all, and owed the government, like, taxes of 400000 and owed back wages to her employees of 40000 That's a lot of money. Yes. And this is when she finds out that Anthony, because she calls her mom, I'm assuming, for her one phone call from the jail, finds out that Anthony was getting money from her mom, and that he took 400000 from her total, He never does end up getting in trouble for the money that he got from the mom. He's, he's never served for that. He's never, that's never went to trial or anything. Because as we learned from Jonathan Walton and Mayor Smith, that when they willingly give it to someone they know, well, they're hesitant to prosecute. Right. Because it's hard to prove. Right. Also the money that he lent NOS, that guy never gets in the money bank either. He sat in jail for a year because he couldn't make his bail. Good for him. So he ends up having time served, because, and they only do serve him with like a year. What the fuck? Listen. And was out before before Sarma even went to jail. Oh, my God. He was given five years probation and also ordered to pay 840000 in restitution to the investors. I'm sorry, five years probation, not like five years house arrest or something. Yes. Because clearly he doesn't give a shit about probation. He was already doing whatever the fuck he wanted the last time he was on it. No, probation. Uh, it's just insane. So they show that from January of 2014 to January of 2015, Sarma transferred money totaling over $1.6 to her personal accounts, and then to Anthony. That's crazy. Then they have a breakdown of the money that he spent. He spent $1 million at Foxwoods MGM Grand in Connecticut, 200000 at Bavigan Sun in Connecticut, 80000 in specialty stores like Rolex, etc., and 70000 on hotels in Europe and New York. Wow. Sarma pled guilty two charges of grand larceny, criminal tax fraud, and a scheme to defraud in exchange for five years probation. She only ends up serving four months behind bars. And as soon as she was out, she filed for divorce in May of 2018. Thank God. I, I hope that she's gotten serious therapy since then. She paid all the employees back through their lawyer, because they had a lawyer, with the money she received... For the source materials and images. That she contributed to the docuseries. But other than that. She was not paid. For her time. Before this. That's not how those work. Yeah. A lot of the people don't get paid. A lot of states have. Have regulations. Where you can't. You can't make money from. Stuff like that. Right. Books and art. And television deals. So with that. I have some afterthoughts. Because of the way that this was treated in the media and also the way that people treat her um to me she's is she a victim victim? she's a victim she's for sure a victim yeah she was so manipulated and it was so extreme that i mean it doesn't absolve her of all guilt she did obviously not pay her employees and all of that but right at the same time i she was clearly a victim of a narcissist of an abuser I 100% agree, but I'm just saying that there are certain people who think that she's somewhat at fault. And that's why, like, I thought it was important to bring up the conversation. You know, like, should she be held accountable? Like, in my eyes, it's clearly manipulation and psychological abuse. Yes. Um, it's like some people are like, oh, was it just bad decisions or was she brainwashed? They would say shit like, why not run away or call the cops? You know what I mean? Like, and she says that she believed what she was told to be true. And, and in her eyes, that was her reality. And that's where it's so hard for, like, people to understand and to really grasp exactly. that. Because when it's, when you're doing all of this under duress because there's a physical threat to you or somebody saying, like, if you have an, a, a physically abusive husband who's going to beat the shit out of you if you don't give him up the money, everybody totally understands that. Exactly. And that they're all, oh, she's a victim. But because it was psychological, they 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 don't have the same level of of empathy for her because they think oh she just made that choice. Now should she should those employees have to have been paid for their time and every yes, of course. But does she deserve time in jail? I I mean, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a prosecutor, I don't I can't give you a clear answer on that, but what I feel she should have had was severe psychological you know, therapy oh, and, yeah. and and help and stuff rather than what does locking her in a jail cell do for her in the end? Because she's, I mean, the lady's seriously fucked up from all the stuff that she went through and she's going to need all kinds of help to get her mind right again and to be able to get to a place where she can make amends and whatever that she might need to do for the people that she harmed through this. But in the end, I feel like he's, he's responsible because he's the one that he, 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 broke her. Yeah, I literally feel the exact same way, but I felt like it was important to address it because people were saying whatever and, and they just threw her under the bus in me, in social media and like in the news and everything, all the articles I've read and shit. It's like, they're just tearing her apart. And I think it's because people just do not understand that type of abuse, like you were saying. And there's no physical, Proof, other than, okay, she has voice messages, she has stuff on her phone, you know, whatever. but people just don't understand. i I have said this before. I feel like psychological abuse is even worse than physical abuse, oh yeah, yeah I, I people people really need to gain more of an understanding of how all that works because it's you get to a point where, you either are brainwashed into believing what they're telling you or you know it's bullshit, but you're scared because they've taken everything from you and you feel like you have no other resources. It's it's very complicated and, I mean, it's she's still a victim. It's crazy because she still says that she thinks, because this is just the kind of person she is, she thinks that things happen for a reason and it will ultimately all make sense. And I'm like, this poor girl. <laughs> like, what the? No, fuck? no, I'm sorry. There's you can't make sense of of someone doing that. There's no sense from that. There's there's nothing. There's no good that comes of that. There's also people that say, okay, perhaps she would have conned him had he not conned her. Now, why? How? Because she knew she was in debt, and. She needed that $2 million to pay Jeffrey Chaudereau. So people are saying that she wanted to, because she saw him and thought that he had wealth, that she was going to use him before he actually used her so that she could pay her debts and then just... But she was going to pay her debts. He was going to pay them for her and thus take over. What was she really gained from? I don't know. I'm just saying that people... Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I know you're a fan of that... put that conversation out there. He was saying he was going to purchase it. It would be one thing if he was saying, oh, you know, what's yours is mine and what's mine is yours. And we're just going to own this jointly and I'm going to pay it off. But he was going to buy it from her. So I know. But there's people that have said like, okay, it was like a fake relationship from the get go to begin with. Because they're saying that as soon as he promised her all those things, she was like, "Okay, that's my ticket. You know what I mean? I mean, and maybe so. And maybe so. But only they will know the truth. That's the truth. No one knows but them. She also has said that there were, like, inaccuracies in the documentary also, which I'm sure there are. I mean, they have to sensationalize it. That's just the way that things go. And that she even said that she outright did not want to marry him. And I don't know what happened at that time when all that happened or went down in that 24-hour period that they ended up getting married. I don't no. know. Only them two know. Maybe she was threatened. Maybe she would Who the fuck knows? Right. Do you know what I mean? And she also said, as for the running away park, why would she run away, after, like I said, after she raised all that money to reopen it? And she said she used 90% of the money that she raised to reopen and make payments that she owed to people. Why would she just take off? Right. And also... She made the point that why would she run away with someone that at that point she hated and feared? Right. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it was by choice. Yeah. And I'll leave you with that at the end of the documentary, they say that it was roughly $6 million in total debt or damages between the taxes, the money owed to Chaudreau, the investors, etc., over this whole fucking ordeal. Okay. So, you know, (laughs) this poor woman thought that this guy was going to save her and now $6 million later in debt, you know, this is what mess became of this, and she's got nothing. She has no restaurant. It closed down indefinitely, you know, and who knows if she'll ever be able to get her reputation back or build another you know, company or whatever. You mean, it's dinner yeah. full at this point. Yeah. And basically, these days, she just chills at home with Leon. She's well, even she's more Leon. She was. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because in the articles, I was reading this stuff where, like, he, he he may not live forever, but, you know, he's still there. <laughs> he just celebrates. Well, when was, well, I don't remember when this article came out, but he had celebrated his 12th birthday or whatever. I don't know old for a dog that is old for a dog so friends if it seems too good to be true it is and if you want to find us on our socials we're on facebook at too good to be true podcast we're on instagram and tiktok at too good to be true pod if you want to shoot us an email and talk about this insanity or anything else you want to talk about, we're too good to be true pod at outlook.com. You can also go to our main page, which is in the show notes and leave us a voice note if you want, or support us monetarily. We're making a little bit of money off of one ad that we've recorded. But if uh, if anybody wants to give us a little tip for like a thank you for putting out content, um, I have bookmarked more to set and stuff that I would like to get. So if we could get the money for that, that'd be great. Although we're never going to beg for money, but if you feel so inclined, Go for it. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet to get some stuff, you know? And thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Like, what? How? I want that. I want these sweet cats that I can put hats and coats on and... (sighs) Instead... I got like Kitty Dahmer. <laughs> <laughs> Dahmer. <laughs> oh gosh. That's a bit extreme. She's a bit extreme. <laughs> she is, actually. You know what? Okay, Kitty Dahmer. <laughs> Kitty Dahmer, it is. <laughs>